0: It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Greg, let's take a look at this offense. Minicamp is over. Camp doesn't start until late July. This is really the perfect time to try to set our 53 and stack up where the offense and defense is. Today we start with the offense and we'll start with the quarterback position. I look at your depth chart. Cam, number one. Mac number two. Stidham, three. Brian Hoyer, he's outski. Just your thoughts overall. We haven't talked since Cam Newton apparently wowed the universe in his final mini camp practice. Just your thoughts mm-hmm. about that position after witnessing all the open practices that you did.
1: So, uh, going back to uh, Cam and the end of mini camp, the final day, because we talked after the first two days of mini camp, and yep. we talked a lot about Mac Jones and. Um, and then the next day, uh, as is normal for, for Belichick, he decided to change things up a little bit. Cam got most of the snaps, had one of his best days of practice, um, no question. Uh, I I didn't think it was overly competitive, the practice. Um, I wouldn't say Mac Jones was bad in the practice or anything like that. I thought, you know, Cam Newton was good. I, I left th- that practice field with the feeling that. Basically, the first two days, and especially the second day, uh, as we talked about, I thought Belichick and Josh McDaniels were testing Mac Jones before the summer break, um, before they set the course for training camp and what they're going to do and how the snaps are going to be divided. They really pushed him and, and wanted to see what he could do, and he performed great. I think he exceeded their expectations. Um, he was really the star of those couple days, and... I think I left the practice field with the distinct feeling after the third day that that was sort of a parting gift for cam that not that he's, he's being released or anything like that or traded, but just look, Mac had his couple days. Here's your day. We'll set everything up. That's really in your wheelhouse. So you feel good coming in the next day. And I will also point this out, Nick, that cam, um, we talked about his body language on that, on that Tuesday, the, after the second day and how, how noticeable it was, you know, Mr. Energy was Mr. Low Energy that day and was not happy and off by himself and stuff like that. He came out the next day and was completely opposite. I mean, I think that, I think that either he knew it, he heard the media reports and w- w- decided to do something about it or someone spoke to him. Um, Or maybe he talked to Belichick and Belichick was like, look, Cam, you're still our guy. Like, just, you know, we got to see what the kid can do. So we're going to test him and stuff like that. So Cam took the practice field in a good mood, played really well. And now everybody leaves for the summer break in a good mood, which I think was the point. So I'm not ready to go one way or the other. I do think that the mini camp in the offseason is mostly for um, teaching and learning. It's not about competition even though they are sort of testing people here and there to see where they might be come the start of training camp but the competition any competition does not start until training camp but probably not till about the second week of training camp so uh, in my opinion nothing absolutely nothing has changed i think there is going to be a very real quarterback competition in training camp this summer and it will be interesting to see how it unfolds
0: yeah, it, it should be very interesting. And it's funny that you mentioned that with Cam. That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, maybe Belichick said, all right, let, let's send Cam off after this minicamp feeling good about himself. And Mac feels good about himself. We feel good about Mac. Let's give Cam a little bit of a carrot here. Let's give him most of the reps. Let's not, be at, let's not allow it to be as competitive so Cam can feel really good going into the next few weeks before camp starts. And I would agree with the idea of the quarterback position now being a legit competition in late July, early August. Let's jump to running back. I think everybody looks at this position. They say Damian Harris, rightfully so. Wait, hang
1: on. Hang on one second, Nick. I just wanted to um uh continue sort of the discussion on the on the actual fifty-three um once we got done with our mini-camp thoughts. But a couple of things I wanted to tell people. Number one, I went back um and I looked at for a long time when I've done this, I've had 53-man roster average, which is basically like an average at some point in time. I don't remember. To be honest, I don't even remember the last time I did it. So I was like, all right, it's time for a reset. So I went back and I looked at the week two rosters for the Patriots. I don't really care about opening day or initial roster because so many things are going on with injuries and things like that. Or, you know, they don't want to sign a, a veteran for week one when he could get cut and the salary is not guaranteed, that sort of thing. So I went to week two and I went through all the averages. People can see uh, the offense tomorrow. um, We'll publish the defense, um, not only the averages, but also um, my cuts, which cuts and trades, which is going to be very interesting, but it's sort of a, a couple of overall points going into this 53 man. First of all, look, there's a lot of guessing going on here because we haven't seen these guys in pads and I'm not making any judgments on them. As always their performance on the practice field and training camp will determine what goes on. Um, And I, I just think that, and I know Nick, we probably say this every year and some years where it's dumb and I'm probably more guilty of it than other people, but I will say Doing this 53-man roster was by far the hardest I've ever done on the Patriots, and I'll tell you why I think that is. It's because the Patriots brought in so much free agent talent this year and also the need for the need to develop a younger talent class on this team. Like, you can't just say, all right, well, let's just use an example because we'll roll into this in a second, but let's use James White and J.J. Taylor as an example. Like you can't just say, "Oh well, James White's the guy; he's going to be here." Like, not necessarily anymore, I don't think. I mean, you got to fit a lot of free agents that they sign onto the roster. You have to keep a lot of the the, the draft picks, provided they're healthy, and that means a lot of people are going to be on, on on the outside looking in. And and I had a really tough time with this as far as the quarterbacks, and then we'll move on here. Um I, I look at this point in time and this is just a snapshot at this point in time. It's not, it's not necessarily a projection. It's just where I see things right now. Um, I don't think there's any way that cam's not here now. Could that change in camp? Could he stink? Yeah. But as of right now, I think cam and Mack are the two definites. And then it's between Stidham and Hoyer. And to me, Uh, not that I'm crazy about either of those guys. And and I do think that Brian Hoyer brings a lot in terms of knowledge and experience and things like that. And he'd be great to have around, but you can't, you can't not just, you can't ignore what happened last year, which was basically, and we talked about at the time that Kansas city chiefs game, Belichick was freaking furious after that game. I mean, he, the, the whole reason that Brian Hoyer was on the roster was in a pinch, he could manage you and get you to a victory, and he just completely failed there. And right. and then he was buried for the rest of the season. And so I just don't know how you can keep a guy on the roster with that background. And also I think Stidham's shown enough that I want to see a little bit more. So I'm willing to keep him, but there's no question with the roster crunch, keeping two quarterbacks is on the table. I just don't know how you feel any confidence with Cam Newton and Mac Jones, that I wasn't comfortable keeping too. So that's why I kept Stidham.
0: All right. So that's the big picture. Let's get back to the detail. Let's get back to the running backs. As Greg said, he went back to week two and looked at all the averages, figured it out. And at running back, 53 man average is about you know 4.4 uh, guys on the roster. So between four and five running backs, they usually yep. go into the season with. As I was mentioning, Damian Harris, Sonny Michelle, I think all of us feel like that's the one and the two, but now you have Stevenson, Bolden, Taylor, James White, Tyler Gaffney. Tell people how those guys kind of fell into their slots and why they did.
1: Well, unless there's an injury, I think Stevenson is here. I mean, we've seen it time and time again with running backs. Um, Now, look. Could Stevenson, in theory, displace Sonny Michelle? And I'm sure a lot of people will do that on their 53-mans. Yes. But naming the, the last Patriots rookie running back that's done anything here, um, it's, you're just going against history. And it's not reality. The reality is that the, the odds are far greater that Stevenson has a redshirt year where he's on the roster and he's not doing anything. And so I think that with Sony Michelle going into his contract year, you also have the added bonus that when he becomes a free agent if he signs with another team you can get a comp pick and i don't think the patriots are going to be big players in free agency next year so it's a big it's a big comp pick year um in my opinion so i think Harris, Michelle and Stevenson are here i think Brandon Bolden you know when he left and went to Miami for that year i think even the patriots realized they lost something without Brandon Bolden around not only uh, at running back, but on special teams. And I did not – when I went through my roster, I did separate the special teams only guy, and I do not consider Bolden a special teams only guy because I do think he's a decent running back. Um, And he's certainly a good third if you have the rookie inactive every week. And then it comes down to James White and J.J. Taylor. Um, I don't think that you can keep both. Um, You know, maybe if you find another roster – spot like say stevenson does overtake michelle then yes you can keep both and that's the that's the ideal that you have the veteran james white you have jj taylor um getting a few chances but also you know i'm hoping he returns kicks this year and when it came to i i decided that i decided to trade james white and i love james white he's been a great player here um but a couple of things um Last year was not good for him on or off the field. I don't think his training camp's been a lot better. Um, he had a lot of drops in training camp. Uh, he was out there as a street free agent or a free agent in general. Didn't, outside of Tampa, didn't really get a whole lot of sniffs. Came back on the Patriots on a fully guaranteed $2.4 million deal. Um, I'm not sure if, if all of that moves, if they trade him or what. Um but I just think that J.J. Taylor is has improved too much. I think he's too talented. The Patriots kept him on their roster last year. I think if they release him and think he's coming back to the 53, I think that it's fool's gold. I don't think that's happening. So what are you going to do? I mean, how many running backs do you need? And I just think, I think I'm keeping J.J. Taylor and I'm doing something for James White. And there's got to be some team out there that's interested in a good veteran pass back
0: any concern about how the team would react if they traded james white or hey it's just business no. and move forward yeah it's just it's just business
1: and 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 people know he was a free agent he could have gone anywhere and right. he had to come he came back for a 2.4 million dollar deal which is you know basically a little bit more over the the veteran minimum so yeah I, I don't have any um i don't have any concerns over that
0: all right let's jump to the receiver spot the 53-man average, again, right around four and a half. Uh, I, I think nobody would be surprised with the top here with Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers. I think everybody agrees those are the top three guys. The rest is pretty interesting. So you have Gunnar Oshevsky as the fourth guy at the wide receiver spot, and then you have Nikhil Harry getting traded. Uh, first, yeah. let's start with Harry. What have you seen from him, Greg, during camp? Do you feel better about him in any kind of way? I know that he's reportedly lost some weight. He might look a little bit quicker. Uh, That depends on who you read on Twitter and and how that guy feels about Harry. Mm -hmm. But your general thoughts on Harry and why you have him on the trading block. My general
1: thoughts on Harry is that um, I think he's improved a little bit. Um, I, I have liked what I've seen out of him with the ball in his hand after the catch. Uh the problem with him is getting to the catch. Yeah. Um, do I necessarily think that this offense and what they've asked of him have been um the ideal for Nikhil Harry to maximize his skill set? Uh I don't think so. I think that and really, Nick, you know, I, I wanted to see more of Nikhil Harry. So on my initial fifty three man, where I think I ended up with like fifty eight guys on the roster. Um <laughs> I had Nikhil Harry on the roster. I wanted to see more. And I was hoping that he would sort of be a, uh, he would, I think they need to, and I'm sort of over the tight end thing. I know you and I have talked about that last year, uh, but I think he's a big slot. I mean, there's no reason why Nikhil Harry with his physical tools can't get, can't be a poor man's, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, at the end of their careers, you know, when they slow down a little bit. There's no reason why Nikhil Harry can't do that. And so I would like to see them do that with him more. And that's that would be my ticket to him making the 53 man. But as of right now, and and you know, the tight ends are a the tight ends and the fullback are a big mess and i think they're putting we're going to get into that in a second i think that's one of the positions that that's putting a stranglehold over this roster in terms of flexibility and i i was surprised when i went back and i looked at the 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 rosters that tight ends out of the past five years so you said the 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 five year average was 4.6 but in three of the five years they've kept only four wide receivers Hmm. And that's when that's not even when they were all that great at tight end outside of Rob Gronkowski. And so I was surprised by that. And you combine those two things. So I only kept four receivers. And do I feel good about it, Nick? No. I mean, and and this is in general, I mean, with these new free agents, this is what we talked about, about inviting the unknown onto your roster. Like you don't know anything about Aguilar and Bourne and Smith and Henry and these other guys. You know, you don't know, are they reliable? Are they mentally tough? How are they physically? Um, You know, Aguilar, I think, stays healthy. Bourne gets a lot of, like, little injuries. We know Smith has barely been on the practice field. Hunter Henry gets hurt all the time. So, you know, how how is that going to factor in? But for me, I went Aguilar. I went Bourne. I went Jacoby Myers as a number three. Gunnar Olszewski as a punt returner. Sort of early Julian Edelman punt returner give you a little bit on uh, at wide receiver, but people also have to remember that this is going to be a run-based tight end based offense. How many wide receivers uh, do you need on the field? I, I know our fancy football loving uh, listeners out there will be like, what four tight four wide receivers. What are you talking about? Um, but that's just the way the Patriots do things like the, the wide receiver is not that big of a, pos- a p- position for them. They are about the whole and I think the whole runs through the running back, the offensive line, and the tight ends. And so that's why I stole a roster spot at, at wide receiver. I will say that Nikhil Harry would be my fifth guy if I was keeping a fifth guy.
0: Yeah, and let's remind everybody, you know, Greg is doing this exercise, looking at it through the lens of the Patriots and looking at their average numbers, how they keep the roster together. You know, for me personally, See you later, Brandon Bolden. I would keep Harry. I would swap those two guys. I don't know if you need Bolden when you have Harris, Michelle, Stevenson, and J.J. Taylor. I don't think you need another back. I'd move mm-hmm. on to Bolden personally, and I would keep Harry as that fifth wide receiver. But, again, that's just me. Uh, tight end. Oh, and by the way, wide receiver, the guy's cut. Just say the names. Isaiah Zuber, gone. Devin Smith, gone. Trey Nixon. Marvin Hall. Devin Ross and Christian Wilkerson other guys that uh, Greg has cut again Harry gets dealt now let's get to tight end slash fullback this is to some people boring i think because of how the patriots went out in free agency and added two big names it's a- a- anything less but you know boring anything but boring and when you look at how the position fits it's interesting tight end fullback the 53 man average again due to your numbers is 4 and right now you have five guys uh, in those two position groups. So you're giving them an extra fullback slash tight end. And this is how it breaks down. You've got Janu Smith, Hunter Henry, no shocker, breaking news. Uh, Devin Asiasi as your third tight end. And then you have Jakob Johnson, Jakob, at fullback. And then going back to you and I's, you know, our conversations when Smith and Henry signed, Going back to March, Greg, we talked about the idea of, well, you know, everybody's going to get wrapped up with this whole they just signed two big tight ends, they yeah. drafted two tight ends last year. Dalton Keene to me, and I know you feel the same way, he's not really a, a prototypical tight end. We've talked no. about kind of being an H back and being in the backfield more mm-hmm. than you would see a, a traditional tight end. So you do have Dalton Keene as that kind of second fullback, I'm guessing, because he's going to be that H-back role. Uh, yep. Cut is Troy Fumagalli and Matt Lacoste. That might surprise some people that Lacoste is gone. But your thoughts on this depth chart and, you know, again, keeping both Johnson and Keen.
1: Yeah, so the 53-man average is four, and that's tight ends and fullbacks, and I'm already at five. I mean, yep. I think ideally this, this is a position that scares me, Nick, Um, In terms of Johnny Smith has been on the field for like a cup of coffee. This is not unusual for him. Hunter Henry always has something, an ankle, something, lower body injury. He's always in fantasy. I remember I've had him in fantasy football. It's like every week because he's questionable for every game. Um, And he wasn't playing for the Patriots where everyone's questionable for every game. and then you look at, you know, the the backup options. Devin Asiasi, I think he's done better this year. I'm certainly encouraged by what I saw in the mini camp. Dalton Keene, a little bit better. I still think he's uh, he's a bit like a big puppy out there where, he, you know, he's not sure what direction he's going in, but he's going to go in at full bore. <laughs> um, uh, you know, ideally, I think ideally, Nick, in a perfect world, you would say, all right, we have Smith and Henry. We're building this offense around the tight end. So we feel better about having Asiasie and Matt Lacosse on the roster to give us two deep at both tight end spots. But now and I do think that could be part of the conversation at the end of the day, Nick. I think they could, even though Josh McDaniels loves the fullback, um, you know, they could Bill could say, look. You got one way or the other. Like, we're only keeping this many at tight end and fullback. Like, what do you want to do? We can't keep we can't keep six. Like, yeah. it's not going to happen. Um, do you want to just go tight end heavy and, you know, keep Dalton Keene maybe? And I love Jakob Johnson, and I want him here, and he gives you the sledgehammer fullback as opposed to the athletic fullback. And I'm sure McDaniels wants that. Um, but are you better off going with four tight ends and one fullback and that one fullback um being Dalton Keene cuz he gives you a swing uh you know are you going to are you going to cut or move Dalton Keane a year after trading up to get him in the draft and actually giving up a ransom for that pick to get him um you know I think if you if you put Josh McDaniels on true serum I think that Smith, Henry, Lacoss, Osiassi and Jakob Johnson would be his five on this team but man it's a real wild card disposition and i don't know how it's going to work out but it holds a lot of the keys in terms of how many extra roster spots are you going to have to keep people
0: yeah i mean that's just insane and it's not that i disagree with you it, but it's insane to think that tight end is a quote-unquote wild card after it's how like, much money they spend yeah with all the money they spent with the two draft picks in last year's draft you should be settled like with that money and that draft capital that you invested into that position, you should be set for the next five, six years. And with Johnu Smith coming up lame and not doing much during minicamp, as you said, Henry's history, uh, Keen could not stay healthy last year. Asi uh, Asi, I have read, like you just said, he looks better, which is, is good to read again. I, mm-hmm. I think last year, COVID, how the off season and preseason went, Rookies from last year deserve the benefit of the doubt. So maybe Asiasi's figuring some things out and he'll be better this year. But the idea that it is a wild card, and then the idea that this wild card is inevitably also affecting wide receiver because I don't think any of us see these wide receivers on the roster as a true number one. Aguilar's nice. He's more of a two. Bourne's a three. You know, Jacoby's a three-slash-four. Gunners are four slash five. So in a perfect world, you you would be able to look at this and say, okay, tight end is set. It is really solid, if not spectacular. They spent the money, they spent the picks. They're awesome there. And then, you know, maybe you slide in a number one receiver, but now it's all kind of, you know, fluid as we get ready for training camp, which is very interesting to me to say the least.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I this is a this is gonna be an ongoing discussion. Um you know and it's going to be it's going to be a tough call um they're they're at a you know we got all excited about their free agency splurge and it, and it's great but it does cause other issues and um there's going to be a lot for them to sort through especially on offense defense was a little bit easier other than, like, edge and things like that. But, you, you you know, but on defense, you also have to remember that you just beefed up the defensive line, which changes the math all over the place. So, tight end changes the math on offense. Defensive line changes the uh,
0: the, the math on defense. All right. So, let's jump to the offensive line, quickly go through this. Uh, yeah. Isaiah Wynn, Trent Brown, Justin Haran, and uh, William Sherman Corey Cunningham, cut your guy, your boy, (laughs) Yadamu Kajust.
1: Moonlight Graham. Moonlight Graham Kajust.
0: (laughs) Moonlight Graham is cut. Uh, Your thoughts overall? I I know we've talked about Trent Brown. One thing that jumped out to me, Greg, reading some of the stuff over the past few days is that Brown has elected to stay at Foxborough the next six weeks. And he commented saying, hey, listen, I'm just following my 2018 plan. Like whatever I did that year, I'm doing this year. That's it's to a, me at least a, a pretty good sign, not a guarantee, but it, it is good to hear him say, Oh, I'm not going on a vacation. I am going to hang around the facility for the next six weeks and at least put some work in.
1: Oh, yeah. I think it's great. I think it um it's 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 a huge indicator that he's gonna have another good year. I mean, he just went he went back to the straight cash homie uh, plan from his <laughs> last time here where he's like, I'm getting that bag. And so I'm actually going to work. Um, so that's good. I mean, that that shows that his attitude's in the right place and, and hopefully that continues and hopefully he doesn't encounter any adversity and sort of packs it in and says, you know, I have a fat bank account, so I don't have to deal with Belichick or, uh, you know, uh, Brick the offensive line coach yelling at him, but that's a good sign. I I, I thought offensive line was pretty straightforward um, yeah. outside of I don't know what to do with um, William Sherman. I mean, I don't know whether he's a guard or a tackle, and that's because they haven't been in pads yet, and we haven't seen them one-on-one pass block or drive block or anything like that. And so, you know, I projected him as a tackle, Um, you know, if caduced or, I mean, I doubt Corey Cunningham. Pops at this point in time, but um if Kajust all of a sudden pops and is a player, then I think you know you slide Sherman over to the interior, and uh, then you got to find yourself another roster spot if you want. Because normally the Patriots keep four at tackle, five at an interior, and I kept four and four. I bought a roster spot on the interior with Ted Karras here, and plus I think guys like uh, Haran, and also push comes to shove. Isaiah Wynn, I think, you know, gives you flexibility on the interior that they can go to the interior, like say, like say Shaq Mason goes down or something like that. I think one of the options is Wynn goes to guard. Brown goes to left tackle, and then Heron plays right tackle. yeah, that's one of the options. So I sort of i I look at the flexibility that they have on the offensive line, and i and I felt comfortable that we could. Buy another interior uh, roster spot from the interior offensive line, and I and I think it'll work out that way.
0: Yeah, the interior O line people know the names: Mason, Andrews, yep. Oenu, and Karis. And really, I mean, I, I, this is a top three offensive line in football if they stay healthy. Yep. And the only thing I would say is, if Sherman doesn't work out, I would love to see another tackle, another kind of swing guy there. I think that's the one spot where they could afford some more depth if Sherman is a guard and not a tackle, or he just is a a stink bomb at camp. I would like to see another tackle in the mix. Hopefully, maybe like you said, Cunningham pops, maybe Moonlight Graham does something, but you Mm -hmm. know, overall the offensive line is a top three unit. If they're healthy, they're studs and they should help this football team. All right. So there's your, there's your first shot at the offense looking at the 53 Another story that popped up this week, and a lot of people have been tweeting about it. A lot of people have been trying to figure out who he was talking about. Uh, Tom Brady is going to be on an episode of The Shop Uninterrupted this Friday, and he decided to call a fellow quarterback a mother bleeper. So we're all trying to figure out. He's talking about his free agency and the fact that this team in question was not going to hang in until the end. And he was saying, hey, you're going to stick with that mother bleeper. And everybody's trying to figure out who the mf -er is. Greg, who do you think the mf -er is?
1: I think it's Mitch Trubisky. Um, My runner-up would be Jared Goff and the Rams. Um, I just, I just took that. I know I saw the comment. Everybody was like, (laughs) I saw the comment because on Twitter, a little Twitter on the side said like, what's trending? And it was Garoppolo. And I clicked on it. It was this Brady thing. And everybody's like, Oh, he's doing Jimmy dirty and blah, blah, blah. And like, What people have to understand is you have to go back. Well, if assuming Brady is being honest about his feelings at the time, you have to go back to that offseason. The San Francisco 49ers were just coming off a great I think they were 13 and three or fourteen and two, had gone to the Super Bowl, were ten minutes away from the Super Bowl title with Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback. Like I don't really I think I don't really think Tom Brady's reaction to his former teammate, who he also shares an agent with, would basically be the equivalent of um, you know, uh, uh, you know, the equivalent of, and I just lost my train of thought, um, you know, did that. He's a bum. Like, yeah. you know, you're going to stick with that bum. That's the way I read that reaction, which is yep. you, you're going to stick with that bum. Jimmy was not a bum at the time. I don't think it's Drew Brees either. Drew Drew Brees was not a bum. They were, you know, good every year and contenders. To me, you got to go with somebody who the rest of the league thinks sticks and, to me, I think that the the Bears came in late on Brady. I think they had a chance to go to the wall on Brady, and for whatever reason, I don't know if it was the coach, the GM, the ownership, whatever, and they just said no at the last second. And to me, that's that's the the Jared Goff getting out from the Jared Goff contract. I don't think was really all that po- uh, much of a possibility for for them. I mean, could it be the Dolphins and Fitzpatrick? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, but I to me, it screamed Trubisky, that they, the Bears were bringing that guy that bum back for another year. And wouldn't you know, a year later, he's a backup quarterback.
0: Ryan Tannehill. That's who I think the MFR is. Number one, uh, Tennessee was mentioned a lot. As soon as Brady, we found out he was not going to stick with New England. Tennessee was mentioned a hell of a lot. And the way I look at this is Tannehill was a free agent at that moment. He ended up signing an extension. They they got the extension done. But Tennessee could have easily just walked away from Tannehill, put Brady in that spot. Bing, bang, boom. You're all set, right? You had a team that just beat the Patriots in Foxborough in the playoffs. And Brady was obviously watching the game. We all remember how terrible Tannehill was in that he that's one of the worst playoff games a quarterback has ever had. He threw, I think, less than 100 yards. He was brutal. And I think I could just kind of envision this, that, a, you know, Tannehill's contract is up. You don't have to get rid of him or, or trade him or find a way to lose him. You just let him walk. You bring Brady in. It's an easy peasy one, two, three, z kind of scenario. And so Brady's saying, all right. It's either me and free agency or they bring back Tannehill on a big fat contract extension. On top of that, he has a relationship with Mike Vrabel. I could totally see him saying exactly what he said on the shop uninterrupted to Mike Vrabel. I could easily see him on the phone with yeah. Vrabel and say, You're going to bring back that MFR? And Vrabel's like, Look, Tom, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Brady's like, Whatever. Brady had experience watching Tannehill when he played for Miami, they played him twice a year. I mean, he's seen him play more than anybody up close. And again, I just keep going back to that playoff game. Like you mentioned, Greg, the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff doesn't make sense because San Fran was just in the Super Bowl. I don't think Brady would throw a, a teammate, a former teammate under the bus that badly. You mentioned the agent, which is an also, also a great point. I think it's Ryan Tannehill. I, I think he thought he was going to Tennessee to play for Mike Vrabel. It was a playoff team with all the elements, could easily make a run to the Super Bowl and they decided to sign Tannehill to a, an extension that now if you look at it because of what they had to do with Julio Jones, they are now going to pay. I mean, the cap number for Tannehill, not this year, but the two years after, is near $40 million bucks a year. They, they, they married themselves to Tannehill. And I could see Brady saying, you just married yourself to Ryan bleeping Tannehill when you could have had me on a short-term deal and paid sure. me less money.
1: I mm-hmm. think it's Brian
0: Tannehill. All right, yeah. let's the, by uh, the way. Can we do
1: one more real quick blind item? Because I saw sure. this today. I sure. like these blind items. Yeah. So Caitlin Kaler from the Defector, she used to be my teammate at the MMQB, talked to six anonymous NFL players in order to get their wide ranging, unfiltered thoughts on the vaccine. This is player number four, and your your job is to guess which quarterback it is. Okay. Player four. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My quarterback, he is not getting vaccinated. He was like, basically, you could still get COVID. And he said his theory is five years from now, guys might turn into aliens or something like that. Laughs, it's a joke. But I feel like, come on, dude. He said he didn't want to lose his abilities, and he felt like, felt like he would it would slow him down. The vaccine. Uh, um, my guess. My is- guess. Who? Go ahead. Josh Allen. Yeah, that's my guess too. It's totally Josh. It's totally Josh Allen. He, he's such a meathead. You can totally see him be like some. Yeah, man. It was the aliens, man. It was the aliens. Like, but but the big thing is like, he just he. If, Josh Allen is a moron. The guy can throw the ball, and he played a good quarterback last year. But, um, you know, he is a moron. So okay, yeah. so we can. Be- right,
0: let's get to the uh, member question of the day. Uh, you said you would find one, so hopefully yep. you
1: found a great one. I, I did. And this is more of a this isn't really a question, but so Monty 20 uh, 213 says, because I, I did a my Sunday notebook was taking stock where the Patriots rookies are after offseason practices. And I think one of my nickel packages was about Nikhil Harry. And I said, I don't know why people love the dump on Nikhil Harry. The dude is always trying, and it's not his fault the Patriots drafted him in the first round. But I thought he had a solid camp. I don't think he needs to move to tight end quite yet. Um I, I Patriot former Patriot brief Patriot uh former uh Patriot uh, Jordan Matthews is attempting to do just that, but I would really like to see the Patriots invest some real time in camp trying to make Harry a big slot. This is like we talked about; he has a chance to do that. I could see him being a latter Anquan Bolden or Larry Fitzgerald. So Monty twenty twenty one three says. He gives me my quote. I don't know why people love to dump on Nikhil Harry he says one of the guys who has done more dumping on Nikhil Harry than almost anyone. I love you, Greg, but this comment made me laugh a bit. How many reporters have the balls to ask a player why they aren't as good as uh, other players taken at their position in the draft? He gives a YouTube clip. He says he gives another clip where you, where you actually say that they should bulk them up and move them to tight end. And then there's another clip that I haven't watched. Um so my, I wanted to give my response to that. So my response is, there's a difference between being um, a, a fair and objective journalist where I'm covering a team and asking questions, than dumping on a guy. When I when I when I say dumping, I'm more talking about the sports talk show radio hosts. You know, people who you know like my buddies with Felger Mass, who have been all over Nikhil Harry and basically call him a bum and he's terrible and he's this and that. Like, there's a difference. Me asking Nikhil Harry, it's a legitimate question that I asked him, which is, why do you think you haven't been as successful as some of the other receivers in his draft class, including guys who were taken a lot uh, later than him? That's a legitimate question. That's not a criticism. I'm not dumping on him. That's a fact. And I'm trying to get his response. I'm trying to get him to say, like, you know, give, give us a reason. Uh, you know, I had trouble with the with the playbook as a rookie. Um, Tom wasn't welcoming to me as a rookie. And then where I say, where you actually say that they should bulk him up and move him to tight end. How is that dumping on Nikhil Harry? I'm trying to find – I think he's a good football player. I think there's a good football player in there, and I'm trying to find a place where he can be a good football player. It's obviously not an X or Z receiver in the Patriots offense. That's not working for him. So I think I am totally entitled to say that I was not one of the guys dumping on Nikhil Harry. You know, I'll leave it up to you, Nick, as the unbiased observer, sort of third party. um, If you think I was being that I was dumping on Nikhil Harry with any of those comments, but I think I was just being fair, objective, and critical, but not being not not dumping on him.
0: I think it's a fine line and, and people, you know, what happens is now, and, and I'm not going to go too long on this because it's a yep. whole philosophical thing. And if I had six beers in me, I'd tell you for two hours, how I feel about this. It. <laughs> but it's, it's the idea of like media and everybody kind of just throws the media into one bucket mm-hmm. and it, it, it keeps getting done. And ESPN having, you know, people that are personalities slash news people uh, you know, you've got Adam Schefter, who's one of the best NFL insiders, I think the best NFL insider. But he's also being thrown out there to do opinion now. And, and so what happens is it all kind of just gets jumbled up. It's one big bowl of jambalaya. So people have a tough time. And I, I don't blame the people I, I, because, you know, they're not taught journalism classes. And they're, they they don't get the the, the minutiae in, in what's different. From being a journalist and in writing versus being a talk show host, because now those worlds are blended. I mean, you're even on Felger and Maz, and at times you have to give your opinion. Yep. So, mm-hmm. I think it's tough for people to differentiate when Greg Bedard has the journalist hat on and the Felger and Maz hat on, and he's asked by Felger, "Hey, give me your opinion on uh, opinion on this." And we know Felger's just going to keep grilling you until you have an opinion. Yep. Damn it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the issue. I think when people write and they have the journalist hat on like you do, yes. You're 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 giving your thoughts objectively about the player in this system. You're not talking about him big picture, who he is, does he suck? Does he not suck? You're talking about the team that you are covering. That is your job. I agree with you about Nikhil Harry. You know, I think Harry's a good football player. I, I think he is not on the right team. I think the team mm-hmm. has not deployed him in the right way. I think the quarterback play, even going back to Brady, when Brady did not trust him after he got hurt his rookie season, I think the quarterback play has also castrated Harry's ability to make some plays. And I think if, if you put him on another team and they use him correctly, he's going to be a good football player. The other thing is he will never uh, you know, justify the first-round pick. So you you put all of that together. He was picked in the first round. He doesn't produce like a first-rounder. He was probably picked by the wrong team. He's been utilized in the wrong way, and he has not had great quarterback play. You put all of that together, and I'm not excusing some of the stuff that we've seen from him, but when you think about it big picture and you try not to be emotionally invested, which is very difficult for people to do, but when you're not emotionally invested in the player and you look at what he's had to deal with and the circumstances surrounding him, I think you can say this dude still has a chance to make some plays. Probably in a different system on a different team, unless yep. the Patriots say, We're going to change the plan. And like you said, we're going to put him in as a big slot, which is kind of funky because you got Jacoby Myers in the slot now. So, you know, it, it gets a little funky there. But that's how I feel about you know, the journalistic side of it, the talk show side of it, and Harry himself as a football player. Uh, the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles wrapping it up. We gave you the offense, the 53. We gave you who the MFR was. And we also talked a lot about Nikhil Harry. Everybody, enjoy yourself. Have a good weekend. We'll be back next week.